this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach us that way as well. Either way works for me and just get a hold of me. If you want to hear extra shows every week on Thursdays, we release a bonus episode to the website for members only. So if you want to have access to the Thursday show that's coming up, all the previous Thursday shows and all the future Thursday shows, you want to become a member to the confessionalspodcast.com. All you got to do is hit the join button and become a member today. And I've been pushing and talking a lot about the preparedness because of the times that we're in, you don't know when the supply chain is going to get cut off again. It's already happened a couple times this year. So if you want to make sure that you're prepared, your family's prepared, and you're always going to have food, go to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. You can purchase four weeks worth of food or just one week worth of food. We had two weeks worth of food, but that's sold out. So now your options are just one week of food or four weeks of food. But go to preparewiththeconfessionals.com if you're looking to prepare and stock up your shelves with food that's going to have a 25-year shelf life. So go ahead to preparewiththeconfessionals.com if that interests you. Now, today we have a great show coming up. We have Charlie Rock. Robinson, the returning Charlie Robinson from 189, episode 189, Epstein didn't kill himself. He was awesome on that episode and people loved him. And I thought who better to bring back on the show to talk about Ghislaine Maxwell than Charlie, the man himself. Charlie actually has his own podcast now. Since the last time we talked, he didn't have a podcast. He actually started a podcast after we started talking. It's called Macro Aggressions. I think you can find it everywhere on Apple, Spotify, all those places. So go ahead and check it out because I have, and it is freaking awesome. He really breaks down a lot of information, but today we're going to be talking about Ghislaine Maxwell, Epstein, of course, and he's going to also bring a third party into the mix, Bill Gates. So let's get to Charlie right now. 
All right, today we got a great show coming up. We have Charlie Robinson, a returning guest. Charlie, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. So it's been a while since we talked on the show and stuff. Episode 189, Epstein didn't kill himself with Charlie Robinson debuted back in, uh, what was it, December of 2019. And uh, with the things that have been happening recently, I thought, who better to have on the show than the guy who broke the Epstein stuff on my show to begin with, uh, Charlie Robinson. So here you are. And I hear you're a little busy these days because not only are you doing uh, writing and stuff and you're coming out with a new book, but you also... uh, you launched your own podcast. Is that right? I have my own podcast, which is crazy. Uh, it's called Macro Aggressions. It is available in audio format on Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio, but it's also a video component to it as well. And that is available on David Icke's uh, new video platform called Iconic and also on YouTube. So yeah, two episodes a week. One's an interview, one's a monologue. And I try to pair them together, try and make it so that you know, there's a theme for the week. Uh, this last week has um, has been religion, and I had Eric Eric Gajewski will be coming on. He's from Trad Cat Night, so he'll talk about that. And then I have a monologue on religion. But but so I try to uh, you know do a 9/11 episode, and then have Richard Gage come in and talk about it. So that's what we're um, that's what we're trying to do, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. I've had the response has been beyond what I, I could have expected. But I think that, you know, part of that has to do with timing too. We started, start the podcast right when everyone goes to, into lockdown, right around March was when it started. And, um, and so people had some, unfortunately they had free time on their hands. So there were a lot of podcasts that were, that were getting listened to. So I've been, I've been, I've been humbled and, and pleased with the, with the uh, response so far. And hopefully you know, hopefully it'll grow because we're, you know, I'm talking about some issues that, that are difficult that need to be talked about. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think a case can be made that at this point in America, hell in the world, um, we, we need to start facing some realities. We need to start being honest and talking about some issues that are, that are real to us. Uh, and consequentially, we need to not focus on some of the issues that are kind of manufactured and, and divide us. So it's a, it's a good time to have this um, conversation. Hopefully the, um, the podcast is, is one way just to get information out there and get people thinking about it or talking about it and, um, and trying to see the world in a, in a, in a different way. So that's my, that's my plan. We'll see how it, we'll see how it all shakes out, but it's been a whole lot of fun for me to do it. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's a lot of fun, you know, starting a podcast, especially in the beginning. I, I just launched my uh, my podcast with my dad, Hammer Lane Legends, and the whole process of getting a new show up and and running it, it's really it's a fun process because there's there's an exciting edge to it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know that you're working out a whole routine, and uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, now, I would say that there's a lot of people since this lockdown started that started their own podcast too. I mean. A lot of people that it, podcasting jumps so much. I just went to the uh, my sound my music store uh, just yesterday, and I went in there to get a new microphone and get some new headphones and stuff that I needed for the studio. And I said, "Hey, man, I need the uh, SM7B." And he looked at me. He's like, "Dude, we're sold out of that." And I said, "What do you mean you're sold out of it?" And he said, "Man, everybody's been buying those mics." And I said, "What are they needed for?" And he said, "Podcasting." And the other guy standing next to him and stuff. They both said at the same time, "Podcasting." <laughs> and I was like, "Are you serious?" And he said, "Yeah, everybody's starting a podcast now because they have nothing else to do." And I said, "Well, I'm actually a podcast." Like I've been doing this for a while now, man, and I need that <laughs> microphone. <laughs> and so I went over and looked at the headphones because I knew what I wanted. And he said, "Listen, 
you're not going to find what you're looking for. And I, I said, what do you mean? And he said, I'm sold out of everything except for the low end headphones and then the Yamahas, which are $200 a piece. I'm like, dude, I am not spending $200. And I'm not going to buy low grade either. So I'll just search around online. But I literally drove about 30 minutes for nothing. I, I walked out like 20 minutes later with absolutely nothing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the world, the world is changing. You know, I mean, we now have the technology to do these sorts of things from our home. And, um, you know, I hope some of us have important things to say. Uh, some people don't, but that's okay too. I mean, you, when you see a guy like, you know, like a kid, like Ryan's, uh, Ryan's toy shop, uh, that comes out and, you know, and that winds up on Forbes and it's like, this kid's making $17 million a year. People are like, wait a second, hang on. I can do this too. You know? So it's, a uh, there's low barriers to entry. Obviously if I'm doing podcasting and I'm, technically retarded um you know so we can anybody anybody can figure it out i guess at some point but uh yeah it's a good it's a good thing what people are expressing themselves i think a lot of people are really frustrated too and they want to find an outlet for their frustration they don't have the ability to go to work and chat with their coworkers and get these things off their chest or maybe their their family doesn't connect with the things that they think or or they've come across some new information and they want to spread the news so i'm in favor of it i mean i'm in favor of of everybody having uh, a voice, uh, whether it be, you know, just in the, a voice in their, you know, their own, the way they run their own lives or a voice in order to spread the message of the things that they want to get across. Um, there's it, for too long, there have been large barriers to entry there where the, you know, you got to have a radio show or you got to have a television show. And if you don't have any of these, well, then nobody hears you. And then, of course, those messages get controlled by the people at the very top who make the determination who gets a radio show or a TV show. And so so it, it's nice that things have been decentralized to the point where everybody can have this um, platform. It's just a matter of what you do with it. You know, you can use it to uh, um, to get the information out there to a whole lot of people. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. And I'll tell you what, man, if you're looking for to upgrade your podcasting equipment and stuff, wait about six months to maybe 10 months. And you're going to see a lot of uh, good microphones that are hardly used for sale on Facebook Marketplace in your area. I promise you. (laughs) People are going to start trying to podcast and you're like, I don't got time for this. It's harder than I thought, all that stuff. And then they're going to be like, I just need to sell this. And then people like you and I can make out like bandits. I'm holding out for the good used stuff, you know, microphone you, never used. Yeah. We'll take it. Plugged, plugged it in one time. They tried it right. and then, you know, they got distracted by, you know, something on TV and they forgot they even had the microphone. And they're like, oh, I'll just, I'll just sell it. I'm telling you, right. same thing with workout equipment. All the dumbbells and the kettlebells that people have been buying and everything, you give it about yeah. a year or so, people are going to be cleaning out their garages and be like, ah, oh, just sell it, just sell it, just sell it. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally true. Well, we're we're in an interesting time. You know, we're in an interesting time as far as um, people being forced into um, home isolation for long extended periods. That has, uh, you know, it's it's crippled our social interaction, and people need an outlet for it. So I can understand people making this transition and trying to, um, you know, to get their voice, have their voice heard. It's something. There's something inside of us that that wants to wants to be heard, wants to be taken seriously, wants people to listen to them. It's, um, I don't even think it's really arrogance. I think it's just part of human, you know, humans uh, desire to communicate with other people. And that's been taken away from us to a certain extent. So people are finding a way to, um, to fill that, 
that need inside of them. And if it's podcasting, great. If it's, if it's, uh, you know, making YouTube videos and getting that out, that's fine too. I mean, we're, um, it's an, it's been an interesting time, but unfortunately for the people at the top, the, the people that are trying to control the narrative, uh, I don't think they quite appreciate the rest of us trying to come at a certain topic and, and give an alternative view of it, as opposed to the way the mainstream media conducts themselves. And, you know, and we're talking about, the Epstein situation, which has now uh, become the the Maxwell situation, and um, it's 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 funny that it's a we're at this point now where we're all co- kind of kept up, you know, cooped up in our houses, um, or we're starting to see that kick in again, people being forced back in, and we've got the Jelaine Maxwell situation, and the media is doing what the media always does, which is trying to craft a narrative that isn't real. And luckily, we're seeing a lot of people push back against this. And part of the, you know, the Epstein didn't kill himself situation from over the last year has been, uh, you know, it's been taken as a joke by a lot of people. And there's funny memes and, and all that. And that's fine. But it has done its job. And that is to wake people up to the fact that a human trafficking operation has been validated and run by um, the intelligence agencies using children to entrap uh, powerful people. And what, we're just going to gloss over that and pretend like, you know, like that's not a real thing? Well, you know, we can't any longer and people are waking up to that. So so did Epstein kill himself? You know, of course not. Uh, but the power of people just having that conversation and talking about the possibilities of it it's actually done a lot uh, to raise awareness about the problem of human trafficking, which has been going on for a long, long time. And 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 Epstein didn't invent it, and Jelaine Maxwell didn't, um, you know, didn't didn't revolutionize it. This has been going on for for a long, very long time. And, and inside the United States, it's been happening for um, you know decades, and and we see evidence of that with uh, uh, you know the Franklin scandal. And the DC Madam and the Craig Spence and the uh, Roy Cohn, who was Trump's mentor running blackmail operations for years and years. And J. Edgar Hoover involved in blackmailing people as well as the head of the FBI. So um, so it's 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 been although. You know, although you don't want to think about these things and you certainly don't, you know, you don't want to talk about it because it's it just hurts your soul to think about what's happened to these kids. The worst, you know, there is a a fate that's worse than that. And that's if it never gets talked about and it just continues on and on and on. So so we have to sort of be adults here and say, okay, uh, we're going to talk about this, about these these topics that are really disturbing and we don't do it to sensationalize it we don't do it to um you know for any other reason than to make people aware of it so that something can be done to change it and hopefully uh with a one-two punch of of epstein and glenn maxwell maybe this will be the thing that really wakes up everyone to the reality that these things exist they've been they've existed for a very long time they are used uh effectively to control politicians and members, uh, you know, high ranking uh, uh, business people. And, you know, it's it's been around for a long time because it works 
very well. It doesn't require, you know, you don't have to start a war uh, to get your way with somebody. You don't even have to convince somebody to vote your way a certain way. If you got them on tape doing something they're not supposed to be doing, then you can make, you know, you can make political policies that way that, um, that shape, you know, the way governments operate. It's, it's very devious, but it's, um, but it's also a way that, that people with no conscience have been getting things done for, you know, a hundred years in this country by, by setting people up, putting them in bad situations, and then using the leverage that comes with that to get what they want. And unfortunately, the things that they want are never in the interest of humanity. So, uh, so here we are now, you know, the middle of 2020, and we've got another one of these traffickers winding up in a prison cell, allegedly, uh, in, in New York City again. <laughs> so here we go. We're yeah. going to start this this whole thing all over again with with Ghislaine Maxwell. Are we going to get anywhere? Is it going to change anything? I don't know. Maybe, maybe because she's a woman. Maybe it'll put a different sort of face on it. Uh, we don't know. Do you think that trafficking human beings and stuff ever stopped? I mean, I know, like you know, the the pedophilia has a, a long history throughout human history. Uh, do you think, and, and even slavery? Uh, do you think that the the child pedophilia that's uh, obviously deeply ingrained into our culture and society right now in America and globally, do you think it ever had a period of time where it actually stopped and then started up again? Or do you think this is something that has always been going on underneath the surface and the ones who create and engineer society around us have gotten us to believe that it doesn't exist anymore, that it doesn't happen anymore the whole time they know they're doing it all, all along for purposes of blackmail or whatever? Yeah, I think that I think it's it's the latter there. Um, I think I think that the, it has been going on forever. I think there are so, certain people that have a taste for that sort of thing, and um, it's taboo, of course. And if you see, this is this is what what people have always had a hard time understanding about about this. They would so like let's use the the Boy Scouts as an example. Because the Boy Scouts have had had a reputation for a while. In fact, they're they're dealing with lots of lawsuits right now. But over the, the last thirty years or so, the Boy Scouts kind of, it kind of was almost sort of like a, a running joke that uh, the Boy Scout troop leaders were you know molesting young boys and things like that. And people would say, God, what is it about being a Boy Scout troop leader that turns you into a pedophile? And the answer is nothing. It's that pedophiles look for opportunities to put themselves in close proximity yes. to young kids. And so where do you go when you're a hunter? You go where the hunting's good. You go to the Boy Scouts. If you want young boys, be a Boy Scout troop leader because then you're going to be surrounded by young boys. So it's not that the Boy Scouts turn you into a pedophile. It's that pedophiles gravitate towards uh, situations where they have access to kids. What, you know, oh, is it? What is it about being a a Catholic priest that makes you such a pedophile? Well, maybe that they're not allowed to interact with, uh, have relationships with with women uh, might be one thing. But also, once again, if you have a taste for young boys, you might find yourself gravitating towards a position of authority in, in those situations. So, I don't think that the idea of I don't think that the the pedophile uh, culture has ever gone away ever. I think it's been suppressed. I think it's been made to 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 not 
be as big of a problem as it really is. But when you get to the higher levels of society, it seems to flourish there. You talk about even like in the Roman days, you know, they would have their boys with them, you know, that they would do. It, it became like cultural almost and and very disturbing, I, you know, but it's but we're all at. We're all at a disadvantage when trying to figure this out because we're not pedophiles. And so we don't we can't really understand how it is they think and how they see the world and and so because of that we're kind of on the outside left to speculate about how it all how it all works now maybe if you you're able to get a pedophile that that you know goes on the record and tells you how exactly how he or she thinks um then maybe we'll be able to understand it a little bit deeper but but the idea of it being around you know being being a part of society that's that's always been there how they choose to portray themselves. I think there was a time back, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago where it was more socially and culturally accepted. The fear that I have right now in the, the United States is that it, it appears that there is a push to bring that back. Yes. There, there is a push to normalize this. And Tom DeLay, a for, former House of Representative for, out of uh, Oklahoma, he said, he, he, he talked about on video, you can find a, a couple minute clip about the 12 perversions that they're seeking to normalize and legalize, including pedophilia and bestiality. Now, when he said that, that was a couple of years ago. When he said that, I think that a lot of people just kind of, rolled their eyes and just went, okay, whatever, you know, that one of those, one of those Republican, you know, one of those white straight Republican, you know, pricks is talking about all this stuff. Let's, let's, <laughs> you know, let's just kind of be dismissive, you know, like whatever, Tom, you know, you and your, your theories. Well, I think he might be right. I think he might actually have been sitting in on the meetings when they were talking about this. He might've had a reason to believe that this is not just speculation, but it, it's a, it's an actual thing. And over the last couple of years, I don't think anyone can deny that there has been a push to normalize this, the normalized perversions. Now, whether or not you consider homosexuality to be a perversion or not, that's that's kind of subjective, right? Some people, you know, some people say, well, that's just you're born that way, and some people say, well, no, that's sin or or whatever. I'm not I'm not here to judge uh, to judge that, but, but that was lumped in there as well with the, with the perversion. So, um, there's been a push to normalize that it's very, and, and by the way, not just limited to the United States, but in the UK, there's something called PI, uh, which is the, the, it's the pedophile information exchange. And that is a group that is seeking to lower the age of consent, um, to like four or five. What? Where was this again? The UK, Jeez. yeah, it's been a problem. It, it, see, now the the United Kingdom has kind of um, I don't know if it's led the way in the blackmailing of politicians that are pedophiles, but it certainly has been rampant there from it, you know from at least the seventies on. Um, lots of high ranking politicians have been caught in bad situations with kids, care homes, and things like that. So the the UK leads that, and, and and Pi is part of this, and it is a really twisted organization that, for some reason, feels comfortable enough to go out in public and talk about these sorts of things. And 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 part of the reason why they feel comfortable doing that is because they have support inside the government. And so you have to ask yourself. 
who in the hell would support this inside the government? Well, government agents that are pedophiles. And so people were saying, God, you know, once again, how come all of these pedophiles wind up finding themselves into position of high power? It seems like it's uh, disproportionate in there. And the answer is you're, you're correct. It is disproportionate in, in terms of positions of high power. They want people, they want politicians, the people that are above the politicians, the ruling class that's far above the politicians, they want the politicians who are the face, the outward face of the establishment. They want those people to be compromised in a way so that they're controllable. So that if they ever wake up and grow a conscience one day and decide to go off the reservation and start talking about things they shouldn't be talking about, the controllers have a way to reel them back in. And what better way to do that than to have um, evidence of them engage, if the politicians engaging in sexual acts with children. And so when you have that over somebody, those, that person, you own them forever. So the pedophiles are allowed to take high positions of office. They're actually actively sought out, not because they're good at being politicians, not because they're good people, but because they are defective human beings that have a very exploitable weakness. So as long as, as, long as you've got a politician in there who has a, a taste for young boys, and you've got that politician on camera through the Elm Guest House or Dolphin Square in the UK or through a Jeffrey Epstein type organization uh, in, in the United States or a Roy Cohn operation in New York or Craig Spence operation in Washington, D.C. If you've got the goods on these people, you own them forever. So I asked the question, you know, this is here's this is speculation on my part. But when when people started asking, how did Bill Gates get to be so powerful with this coronavirus situation with the vaccines and everything? He just flowed right to the top of the or of the heap and started giving commands. How is that possible? And, they, and people say, well, he's really rich. Like, OK, yeah, we know that. But I wonder. And once again, speculation on my part. But I wonder if. He didn't just purchase the compromise files of all these people. He's got the money. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be anything to him to spend the money. He already has a connection to Epstein. We've established that. We know that. So is it unrealistic to think that Bill Gates, in anticipation of this coronavirus situation, that he stands to make two hundred billion dollars on the vaccine by his own account, that he might spend a little bit of money investing in the information that will make sure that everybody in Congress, in the White House, in that um, in big, big pharma, he has the information and the goods on all of them so that nobody can get off the reservation with regard to his message of vaccinating everybody. So it, it it's it's something to consider. This has been around for a long, long time. The information is not limited to the government. You know, the government has access to this because of the spy agencies and everything. But but listen, you're Jeffrey Epstein. You might work for the Mossad or the CIA, but you've got the good. Nobody says you can't sell these files multiple times. Right. If you've got the goods on everybody and Bill Gates comes to you and says, you know, I'm interested in what you're doing. You know, what would it cost for me to get a to get a copy of all this stuff? And he says, you know, it cost you seventy five million dollars as an example. Okay, fine. I'll give you seventy-five million because I'm going to make two hundred billion. What an investment, you know. So, so this is an insurance policy to make sure that people are. are so, like I said, it's something people should consider with, with regard to 
Bill Gates or or, or all of these politicians that that that, that come in. Um, you just have to remember that they're they're not chosen because they're good guys. Anybody can do this job of being a politician. It doesn't require a whole lot of brain power. Um, these people are selected because they have major character flaws that are exploitable. And uh, if you think somebody like Bill Gates wouldn't leverage that, you're out of your mind because, of course, he would. So, so you know, we, like I said, we're here in 2020 in the summer, and we're doing the same thing we did in 2019 in the summer. We're talking about somebody that was running a child trafficking operation that has been caught up and been taken to a prison cell in New York. And we're trying to, we're going to debate what happens next. So get ready, get ready for the Ghislaine Maxwell, um, you know, psychological operation that is in full force. Oh yeah. I mean, it, no matter how you look at it, no matter what you think, uh, it definitely is a psyop right now going on with Ghislaine Maxwell because it, one, both sides are trying to, you know, portray an image and get a point across. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this all works out and stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if she's going to make it that long. I'm not I, like, do you think? All right. So if if Glenn Maxwell kills herself, right, and they come yeah. out and says she killed herself or or COVID got her, do, do you think that there is a portion of the society that's going to accept that? I mean, that you saw how people with Epstein, when he, when he supposedly killed himself, like everybody became a conspiracy theorist. Everybody. If she dies... Do you think anybody could possibly accept that as an answer? I would like to say that I don't think anybody would possibly accept it. But unfortunately, I don't have that much faith in humanity. I think there'll be a, a, a percentage of people that'll be like, well, I heard it on CNN, so it must be true. But but yeah, anybody with a brain that's actively looking at this will go, OK, come on now. So that 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 leads to a question. If that is if that happens. And you and I know in advance that nobody would believe it. And yet they still put it out there and do it anyway. What does that say? Guilty. Does that say that they have they have no faith in us? Like they 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 I mean it would to me it would say a couple things. It would say, A, we don't care if you know. <laughs> we don't care if you know that this is a lie. In fact, it reinforces the fact that we'll just say we'll just make up a gigantic lie with a straight face that is so unbelievable and we'll put it out there because we run you, we control you. And I don't care what you think. Oh, you figured it out. Good for you. What are you going to do about it? You know, so this is kind of a, this could be an overt way of just rubbing it in our faces that even if you know, we're lying to you and we are, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. That would be a devious way that this could go. But I don't know. I don't know that they're going to. Um, I don't know that they're going to run that same play. It's pretty obvious if they did. I mean, like you said, people would be up in arms about it. Um, are they going to let her go to a some sort of fake sham trial? Listen, is she even in custody? We haven't seen pictures. I don't know that. I don't know that she's there. I don't, you know, this whole thing of the, the FBI stormed her place and in New Hampshire and arrested her and. That could be theater for all I, all we know. I mean, the FBI is involved in every terrorist event that's happened inside the United States. They usually set up the people that are involved in it. So if the FBI goes and arrests her, excuse me if I don't just automatically trust them. So, um, 
so there's a lot involved here. Now, could they be hanging her out to dry and let her be, you know, somebody that just gets picked up and, 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 you know, they, they throw the book at her. I don't know, maybe, but nobody should be, you know, nobody should be expecting her to go get on the witness stand and start naming names of all these people that we don't already know about. Yeah, there'll be some low hanging fruit if it ever happens like that. It would, you know, she'll talk about some people that we already know. But, but from what I've just read, she's already claiming that she hasn't ta- hadn't talked to Epstein in yeah. ten years. What? Okay, so we're not starting off on the right foot here, as far as the 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 lies. I'd be, you know, if I was an investigator, that'd be the one. I'd pick up my my files and go, okay, we're not getting anywhere here, and I'm just slam the door and walk out because this is if this is where we're going to start with. Oh, I haven't talked to Jeffrey in ten years. Then we're wasting our time with her. So I, I think that this is, I think that this is theater. I think it is. I think it is. Um, a gigantic distraction from something else. Um, you know, but the history of the Maxwell family is dark, man. They're, you know, uh, uh, not only was Ghislaine Maxwell involved in running sexual blackmail operations, but her dad was too. Robert Maxwell did that uh, in Russia. He was running it for the KGB and almost got himself hung as a traitor uh, for doing that. So this is a guy that ran an operation for the Russians. Obviously, he had ties to Mossad and uh, MI, MI5 and MI6 in the UK. And so so you're talking about a deep, deep spy family. And by the way, it doesn't end with, with Ghislaine Maxwell either. Her sisters are involved in this too. If you want to go down a rabbit hole and you want to talk about how you know, was Bill Gates involved with Epstein? Was, you know, did they know each other? How close was that relationship? Well, let me tell you something about the Maxwell sisters. Isabel Maxwell is uh, the director of technology for the, what's called the fourth industrial revolution put together by the World Economic Forum. Does the World Economic Forum ring a bell to anybody in regard to Bill Gates? Because it should. They were part of Event 201 in October of 2019 that simulated the outbreak of a novel coronavirus that spread across the world and, and crippled the planet. Gates Foundation, Johns Hopkins University, and World Economic Forum. Who's the head of the industrial, the fourth industrial revolution technology component? Isabel Maxwell is. So there are times, and what Bill Gates talking about doing, he's talking about using, you know, talking about vaccination programs and talking about using technology, talking about using technology and contact tracing. Where does that lead to? It leads back to the World Economic Forum and the Maxwell sisters. So there's a lot of devious stuff here. This is not, you know, people say, well, there's a picture of Bill Gates with Epstein, but we don't know how close they were. Listen, they all worked together on this project. They're involved in Event 201. The Maxwell, uh, Isabel Maxwell and Bill Gates are involved in this. And then what, just magically, Bill Gates has a relationship with Epstein. We're supposed to pretend like there's nothing there. There's something there. There's something there. And their involvement in this is um, with Isabel Maxwell and the fourth industrial revolution. What they're working on specifically is artificial intelligence and brain implants. Okay, so this is a very dark future for humanity. We're talking about minority report type stuff here. And the people that are in charge of that 
are you know is, is that group the world economic forum so you dig into their background who these people are well obviously they have ties to the united nations which is never a good thing and they have um you know literally direct ties to the maxwell family so 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 get ready because um the connections between these two individuals the gateses and the maxwell slash epsteins those connections are, are stronger than most people know about and probably stronger than most people would like to think okay let's take a break right now and talk about a sponsor for today's show which is better help better help h-e-l-p now better help is an online counseling service and i think in these times an online counseling service is very handy for those who need it because not only are you going to be able to have access to a counselor or a therapist pretty much 24 7 where you can actually send them a text message or an email and you'll get a timely thoughtful response but also there's all these limitations on going to places you can't go into a store without wearing a mask you have to have only a certain amount of people in stores if you don't have an appointment you got to stand outside the doctor's office till they can take you in there's a lot of hassles right now with going out into the world and you know my thoughts on that we're talking about it on the show today it ain't good but the fact is it is our reality and there are people out there that may not have the access to the counseling they once did just six months ago if you're one of those people and you need some help, it's there for you. I know there's a lot of people out there that are struggling right now financially, and there's a lot of people losing jobs, and there's a lot of people contemplating suicide with all the things that are going on in this world. Not only is the COVID thing a mess, not only are people losing their jobs, but a lot of people are waking up to the reality of what this world really is and who actually runs this world. And there's a lot of people depressed. I talk to people in my everyday life that are waking up to the reality that there are elite pedophiles in this world, and they are actually extremely depressed. You can see it in their demeanor. If you're one of those people and you need some help, be honest with yourself. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you need help. We all need help from time to time and better help is there for you if you want that help. Like I said, it's all online. They're going to match you up with somebody who is actually good in chemistry with you. If you're not liking your counselor, you can request another one and they'll get on it right away for you. Some of the things that they cover is depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, grief, self-esteem. There's a lot of things that they cover in their network. And right now, there's such a high demand for counselors and BetterHelp is growing so much that they're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. But not just 50 states, friends. This is a worldwide operation. If you're listening to me right now and you're in Australia, this service applies to you. If you're in need for some help, don't hesitate to contact BetterHelp because it is the most convenient and reliable source online right now that will help you get through your mental hurdles that you're going through right now. Don't hesitate to ask for help. I'm stressing that because I strongly believe in this service and I strongly believe that there's a lot of people out there right now who are dealing with a lot of depression because of what the world is right now. If you need help, contact BetterHelp because I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash yup, Y-U-P. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. And again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash yup, Y-U-P, betterhelp.com slash yup. Yup. 
this is very interesting what you just shared because it kind of throws a real, uh, I don't know, side loop to all this where we have Event 201 with Bill Gates that happened and then we have the pandemic and now we have the Max, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell being arrested during this pandemic, but her sisters are uh, are very much involved and her one sister is involved with the Gates and uh, like it, it almost seems like timing, like almost as if she was arrested on purpose right now because it's like... It, it, they're all connected. It feels like they're all connected. And it's like, okay, we're going to do this now because it, the result will be this if we do it now. And it, it's just, it seems really sick and twisted. And you mentioned about Minority Report. My gosh, like people who, I still come across people who say that we don't have the technology and it's impossible, the whole idea of Minority Report. I know it's possible because my job uses that kind of technology. I'm a freaking truck driver and my company uses big data to predict who in the company is going to have is most likely to have an accident next. And my name came up the week that I had a freaking accident. No, That's crazy. <laughs> not kidding you. This is not I can't make this up. I can't make this up. I had uh, my son was just born. I wasn't sleeping a whole lot. I had a really bad week because of sleep with the kid. We had a cat that was dying. And that Friday, we we put the cat down. My, I'm, I'm in North Philly, uh, in an area I'm not supposed to be in. And it just, it was a mess. My wife tells me we put the cat down. I'm a little emotional about it. I, I'm backing in this place. I catch a truck and, you know, it happens. It wasn't a big deal or anything, but it was a downpouring day. It was just, everything was going bad. My boss called me into his office and says, I was actually going to pull you aside last week and I should have because your name came up that you were likely to have an accident. I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. Like, wow. does anybody think that this is a problem? Like, I don't like this at <laughs> and th- th- we have police stations. We have um, I know they, they were testing it in one of the counties here in this country. I think it was in California somewhere, uh, but they were doing it in Canada. The police uh, police forces using predictive programming kind of thing. Uh, and the one I think it was in California, I think it's like San, uh, Sacramento, maybe. But they like what it was is that they were using an algorithm to identify certain neighborhoods who were likely to have um, high escalations in crime every day. And they were putting police pressure presence there, hopefully to reduce the crime. Uh, this uh, this stuff actually exists now, and it's only going to get more uh, complicated as time goes on, and they want to try to, um, you know, invade more of our, our privacy. And yeah. so it, it's crazy. It, dude, the Maxwell sisters, I didn't know about that. I, I did not know about that. And it seems like knowing that now, Ghislaine being arrested right now seems like it was almost planned that way. And especially with her property that she was staying at, supposedly in New Hampshire, wasn't it like eight or 10 miles away from the FBI headquarters or something like that? <laughs> yeah, they, they always, uh, they always keep them somewhere close where they can, where, where they can watch them. I think that, I think that the FBI knew where she was for a long, long time. I, I think that the timing of it is, is well, the timing of it, matters to to them they could have picked her up at any point um i'm not really sure the ins and outs of why they they waited for this specific time but but um yeah the the connections the connections that we see that 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 the media won't, won't really talk about are that um bill gates and his organization obviously has been working working on on high tech, and and they're in, deeply involved in this coronavirus situation. But the virus itself is not the end game; it is the means to justify the 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 end game. And the end game is for everybody to get vaccinated 
with nanotechnology that allows them to track you, to see who you are, to uh, under you know to understand a little bit more about your body and see if it's functioning properly. And you have to really take a step back and wonder about things when when the when the technology is being developed by people that have deep connections to trafficking you have to be suspicious if you take a vaccine that has nanotechnology in it that feeds back information to some central place that that knows where you are who you're talking to um and how your body is functioning it is very easy for them to know where to find you if they need to pick you up uh if they've got this technology inside everybody's body then they can determine who is a prime candidate for organ harvesting they can go snatch you off the street because your lungs match somebody that they just got a, a an order for some rich dude you have the right blood type your lungs are you're not a smoker we know right where you are boom next thing you know you disappear and um they never find you again and you're in some surgical facility in an underground base getting your lungs taken out and given to some rich guy think that can't happen that absolutely can happen and it will be a component of this so the organ harvesting and the organ uh you know the stealing of organs is a multi-billion dollar business that happens and who's involved in stuff like that well DynCorp, united states military just not recently there you know the ties to the organ harvesting in kosovo and there's trials going on about that right now so um you know there, there's i i don't want to get too dark with this but unfortunately if we're being honest about the ramifications of some of this technology and where it's headed if you and it then then unfortunately it gets dark if you and i were in charge of the technology and we're decent human beings that don't have an interest in, you know, things like this. You know, maybe a case could be made that this technology could improve humanity. My problem is that the people that are that are running it, the people that are talking about doing it, the people that are using this, I don't trust them and they're the worst choice in the world for people to be in charge of technology that is that gives people almost godlike power. So, oh, so on its surface you know, the idea of, hey, what's wrong with technology? What's wrong with upgrading ourselves? Well, theoretically, nothing is wrong with it as long as it stays in the hands of the good guys. But we know how that works. We know that that's, that's an unrealistic expectation. And these things are going to have, um, they're going to have impact. They're, they're going to impact people um, moving forward. So we, we, can, we can take a look at something like, you know, the fourth industrial revolution that the Maxwell sisters are involved in and say, oh, doesn't this sound great? You know, it's great that we're, we're trying to improve technology. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had this, this, you know, nanobots inside of you that could tell you when you were about to have a heart attack, we could get you to the hospital before it even happens. And okay, well, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds, you know, here, that's a, that's a benefit. Well, that's, of course, how they will sell these things to you. But also, at the same time, they're tracking your every move. They know what you're eating. They know who you're involved with. Hey, well, let's just say you're an insure, uh, uh, a medical, let's say you're a healthcare provider who, who, who does, you know, health insurance for people. And you have this technology. All of a sudden, hmm, 
you know, why did my rate go up last month? Well, your rate went up last month because you went out drinking four times last month and you smoked eight cigarettes and you ate really bad food and you had a ding dong on Thursday and you're like, oh my God, they know everything yeah. about me. So, so this is where this technology can go. And when you've got the Maxwell sisters in conjunction with Bill Gates in charge of it, I just don't have much hope that this is going to be something that's going to put humanity in a better situation. I have a feeling it's going to be used, unfortunately, to um, to control us and to subjugate us. And, and, and the idea, unfortunately, of privacy moving forward will evaporate. And what that does to somebody psychologically is is traumatizing. So just ask people that have been, you know, that have done time in prison, what it's like to have somebody constantly watching you. It really screws with your head. So, so that the, we're, we're on the, we're on the brink of, of, of a paradigm shift in the way we view each other. It's been a psychological operation for the coronavirus the last couple of months to watch how quickly it's, um, people adapt or how quickly people, you know, put on the mask and shame other people that don't wear it or, you know, talk about the new normal or walk in one door and out the other door, you know, or stand six feet apart from you. You, you go, oh, man, we're just a bunch of trained monkeys, aren't we? We were so quick to embrace this, these new rules under the guise of a virus that's so deadly, so deadly, Tony, that you have to get tested to see if you even actually have it, <laughs> you know, and when you do get it, it's got a 99.74% recovery rate and a average, a median death age of 80. But yeah. let's shut down the economy. Let's shut down the world for this. I mean, I would have hoped that people would be smarter than this and people would say, get out of here with, I'm not doing this, but unfortunately just walk around, just walk around and see how many people are just, full-blown buying into it to the fear and um so it, i you know we're, we're in a weird we're in a weird spot and, and and you wouldn't have thought though when this kicked off in march you wouldn't have thought that the coronavirus and epstein would have anything in common with right. one another. but but unfortunately what we're seeing is that some of the people that have been that have that have rose to prominence during this coronavirus situation um, are some of the same names that you hear in conjunction with the Epstein situation. So that is, uh, that's alarming. And that's what, what us conspiracy theorists have been working on the last couple of months. We've been trying to connect the dots between the two. And, and, and you'd hope that there would be no dots to connect, but that's just unfortunately not the way things have panned out. Yeah. Let, let me, uh, let me kind of take the conspiracy theorist angle of it and then give you a little bit of the futurist angle of it as well. You were just talking about how they will control us through the technology and the information. Nothing's private. And you got the Ghislaine Maxwell sister working close with Tr uh, not Trump, uh, uh, Bill Gates, obviously, and where that's going. I just did a dystopian society episode a few weeks ago. I uh, highly encourage people to go check that back out. And he, let me just draw a picture for you as to what this could look like. If they know everything about you but through these chips or whatever, they know what's going into your body. They know who you're talking to. They know what environment you're in. They know what, how hot you are, how cold you are, all that stuff. They know what your health is. It's not just you and they that know about this, but what's going to happen is companies around you in your community will have access to that. No, no, I'm telling you right now. Sure. It's illegal, illegal to share medical information, but what's going to happen is these other companies, like say you got a pizza shop down the street. 
You're going to call in after work. The wife said, hey, pick up a pizza for the, the Friday night. The kids want to have pizza, whatever. You call the pizza shop and they say, well, we see, sir, that you had this, that and the other this week and stuff. And your cholesterol is already at this level. Uh, if we sell this pizza to you, it's going to go from $15.99 to $49.99 because we have to ha- cover this pizza with insurance for our own liabilities. Th- this is where it's going to be going. You're going to have it's going to be extremely expensive just to purchase a pizza if you're not the chosen healthy individual and not happening tomorrow. But this is where it, it, it gets intro- introduced incrementally. So they they let you know it, it's like that phrase that i are not phrase but uh example i use a lot of times with people that the thief doesn't come through the front door at noon and steal your couch right in front of you they come in at midnight and they take a lampshade and they come back the next night and they take a pencil off the table and they keep doing it little by little until you wake up one day and your house is bare and that's what they've been doing for decades and i'm telling you futurist angle of it looking down the road that's exactly where the society's going there is no privacy and your entire life is going to be monitored. Uh, Charlie, you, you're really tying some angles here with the Maxwell sisters, the Gates Foundation, and all that stuff. Uh, I want to bring up something else here that I think probably somehow, maybe if you don't know and I don't know, I think it probably does tie together. Uh, just yesterday, no, what's today? Sunday. So Friday, two days ago, the whole Wayfair thing broke loose on Twitter. And I'm in my truck driving and I'm getting text messages, messages, uh, all like crazy emails, Wayfair, Wayfair, Wayfair. I'm like, I'm driving a truck. I ain't got time to look at this. I don't know what's going on. I got home and my head pretty much fell off my shoulders. I was like, holy crap. Uh, Have you heard about the Wayfair situation at all? Yes, I've heard about it, but I was in the same situation as you. I was in a motorhome driving across country for the last two days, periodically checking in Twitter and seeing this. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on here? So um, so is it, you know, is this is this a real thing? Is this a glitch? Are we, you know, are we early on? What are we? Seventy-two hours after the fact that this thing has, has started, it's it's safe to say that we're we're still in this let's let's find out phase. But um, do we? Okay, so do we know that high high level people are involved in trafficking? We do. That we know. That is not for debate. That we're certain of. Um, do they use coded languages in which to communicate? Of course they do. So w- does it make sense that they would have a, you know, Wayfair way for people that don't know, it's like a, it's a, it's a website that sells uh, home goods, furniture, furnishings, furniture, um, you know, uh, silverware and pillows and drapes and all these things. But if, but according to this situation, you go in and look for an industrial shelf unit and it, for some reason, it was priced. It's priced at ten thousand dollars, and there's only one available. You click on it, and then the name of it is something that's named after um, a missing child. And so this is the whole the whole sort of uh, theory behind it is that it, there, it's somehow somehow tied to a child trafficking network. Well, could they do it in you know do, would they do it this way? Probably not. But um, people have been digging up and, and it's kind of hard for, you know, we, we haven't had an explanation that really um, 
sets people's minds at ease right now. They say, oh, it was a glitch and everything. Okay, could it be no, a glitch? We've had, we've had two explanations. One, they said that it was a glitch that they priced it wrong. And the other one was that they came out and said, oh, well, those are industrial size cabinets. Well, you can go to Granger.com and look it up industrial size ca- cabinets at Granger, which is like the number one dealer in the world. And you got like $1,200 cabinets, not $12,000. Right. 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 So their, their story is not making much sense. Um, and then people are going to dig into, you know, the history of that company and see that now, you know, Wayfair is, is it's not known to be a nefarious organization. You know, if you watch HGTV, you'll see their ads all over the place. They're selling, they're selling stuff. They're selling home furnishings and things like that. Um, but, it, but it creates an interesting, it's an interesting topic that I think that will, I think that we probably, in the interest of being, you know, safe on this one, should should hold back and and take a look and, and make sure that that everything, you know, see how things pan out before we rush to judgment. Because no, I'll tell you, guilty, what I have guilty, Charlie. They're guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I have seen. I have seen in the past, you know, r- raw meat thrown into the, you know, right into the town square. And everybody rushes in there to to make a call on something, only to to have it have you know been a trap all along. So I want to be cautious on this one. But you know the thing is that if you want to if you want to dig into the technology behind um, human trafficking, um, where you don't need to speculate, then then we can talk about what Epstein was doing with technology. And this this is something that ties into what Ghislaine Maxwell was doing. So so beyond just paying, you know, having politicians come down to his island and getting them on tape doing doing bad things uh, or CEOs and, and, and people like that. One of the things that Epstein was also doing was that he was funding scientists and he was spending quite a bit of money on them and for a variety of things. Lots of yeah. people at Harvard and MIT, some people at Stanford. Marvin Minsky is a name that keeps coming up. Um, you know, so so Martin Nowak. Um, there, there's a, there's some scientists that he'd been working with. Well, one of the scientists that he had a, a very close relationship with was a guy named Ben Gertzel, and Ben Gertzel is an artificial intelligence expert. And if you remember years ago, the Sophia robot that Saudi Arabia rolled out to the general public and said, this is Sophia. I am the first, she's the first, you know, she was a given citizenship to Saudi Arabia. And it was kind of like, um, you know, it was a PR stunt. She's got the back of her head kind of opened up with like circuitry and everything. So, you know, so it was, it, it, it was, you know, it was just showing this is where artificial technology, artificial intelligence technology is headed, that we can have robots. And, and look, Saudi Arabia granted this robot woman citizenship. Now, <laughs> probably treat her better than they treat their their actual women that are citizens but but that's beside the point but what when Epstein got involved with um with Ben Gertzel on a different level what he said was I want to create the little Sophia doll which is an artificial intelligence robot uh that is meant for girls eight years old and up and epstein financed gertzel with 6.5 million dollars that he used to create this doll called the little sophia which has cameras in its eyes microphones embedded in it geo tracking locations it has the ability to record and um record and archive all of the information that a girl 
would provide to their doll where they're talking about, you know, talking in their bedroom or have it sitting on the, you know, where maybe they're telling their doll that they had a bad day. Or maybe the doll was just in the room when the dad, when the girl's dad comes in and yells at her and, and, and they, and this doll can see that it's a troubled home. You have to ask yourself, okay, why is Epstein financing people that are making robot dolls for little girls? It, it could be that, you know, selling a million of these dolls to girls around the world could serve as a virtual um, menu for, for elite pedophiles that say, Oh, I want a blonde girl that's around eight years old from the United States from a broken home whose parents might not notice that she goes missing or, you know what I mean? Parent, you know, dysfunctional family. Think of the information that this could gather. Now, if it's, if it's Hasbro making this, doll i would say well that's just the the next evolution of dolls right they're going to make them smarter and it's like teddy ruxpin you know times a million right where it's not only is it talking to you but it's you know i i could maybe maybe set my mind at ease and say well it's just it's just the future of dolls but man when epstein's involved in it and he's got weirdo scientists building these dolls for him you have to have you have to have questions about that is this is this part of a child trafficking network? And the answer is, it it requires more it requires more digging. It requires these people, you know, to, us to have some serious conversations with these scientists about what were they doing for Epstein. One of the things that we know that they were doing that he was paying big dollars for, in the upwards of thirty million dollars, he was financing some of these people's careers. He was that were working on evolutionary sciences. And um, the idea of uh, of studying population control and population density and uh, a form of eugenics of where the populations would go. So he's financing studies in Har- at Harvard where guys were spending money trying to figure out if we do X, Y, and Z to the population, what sort of impact does that have on um, on their response to it? Does this lower population rates? What if we in, in introduce a, a virus? What will that have as an effect on population? So they run this through AI. They run it through the simulations that these hardcore scientists are developing, and they give them an, out, an outcome. And that, once again, is it, it, there's nothing nefarious about that on the surface until you just realize who's financing it, whose hands this information is going into. So you've got Epstein involved in obviously blackmail operations. We know that, but, but his involvement also with artificial intelligence financing and the robots, the little Sophia robot doll, which is clearly alarming to anybody. And then you realize that he has this tight relationship with Ghislaine Maxwell, whose sister Isabel Maxwell is working for the World Economic Forum on artificial intelligence and brain implants and pushing the fourth industrial revolution. So here we have a connection between the sisters and Epstein with regard to artificial intelligence and it being used for uh, with in conjunction with children's dolls. So we've got it. We've got a darker. more sinister component to this than than the press is talking about at this time and it involves artificial intelligence and it involves uh not just jeffrey epstein uh but also the maxwell sisters i I don't know if mainstream anybody connects those dots with the doll at this point but 
if that's if that's the case, then nobody's connecting those dots. Do you think we could see somebody else pick up that uh, that project and run with it, like maybe a Bill Gates? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I would I would uh, I would speculate that he's probably already involved in it. Um, he has uh, Bill Gates has a very dark history. I know a lot of people probably didn't think much of him. They know him as the Microsoft guy. He's a nerd. He's, you know, he's one of the wealthiest guys in the world has been for, you know, the, the last 30 years. And, um, you know, and then, then they see him doing his vaccine thing and they think, Oh, well, this is what happens. You, you make so much money that then you want to go out and do good things around the world. Well, that's not the case, but, but, you know, I can understand where the casual observer of Bill Gates would have this view of him as a humanitarian. The reason why they think that is because Bill Gates is following the same pattern that the Rockefellers had uh, laid out over well over a hundred years ago, and that is they were their business was very destructive. They had a, a horrible reputation uh, inside the United States. They had the final straw was they were involved in a shootout in at a at a mine in Colorado in which a bunch of miners were shot on orders from the management and their camp was burned down. It turned out it was, just, it was a horrible thing. Like over a hundred people died, a bunch of kids. It was, it was really bad. And the, the backlash from that forced the Rockefellers to come up with a, some sort of method for controlling the way people think about them. So they started the Rockefeller Foundation, put some money into that, and then used that to go do philanthropic things around the, the country. So that to, in, a, in, a, you know, in the interest of, of trying to bolster their reputation as being good guys and not the bad guys that they actually were. Well, Bill Gates did the same thing with the Gates Foundation didn't exist until after the Microsoft antitrust suit against the government when everyone kind of went, oh, hang on a second here. Bill Gates is a ruthless psychopath. I thought he was just this nice, happy nerd who made a bunch of money selling buggy software. Turns out there's he's way more Machiavellian than, than we gave him credit for. And then boom, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation starts that he pours money into that and then starts using it to go, you know, save kids around the world with his vaccination thing. So so we're starting to see the control of um, so Bill Gates, you asked, could Bill Gates take take this um, Epstein work? And further it, you know, take it, take it, and and carry it on to the, you know, moving forward. And the answer is, of course, he could, and I would suspect that he already has, that he's involved in this. He doesn't, you know, he he had a relationship with Epstein, that's undeniable, and um, you just don't know exactly what that entailed. Uh, my guess is that it didn't involve necessarily the blackmailing of people so much as it involved. Uh, the technology that they were working together on a technology. And that's just my speculation. I don't know that for certain, but, but I would think that if Bill Gates was working with Epstein, it would be on something technology related, not so much blackmail related. Blackmail related seems more like a kind of a thuggish thing to do. And Bill Gates strikes me as being a little bit more cerebral so that he probably was working with Epstein with this artificial intelligence component that was certainly becoming more of an interest and more important in Epstein's life um, over the last five or six years as it became, um, as, as the artificial intelligence uh, industry started to take off, 
clearly Gates was financing that, but but so was Epstein. And so you have to ask your, yourself, why was he so involved in this? Is this the new digital way to cull the population to, uh, you know, all of these people, all these maniacs at the top, the Rockefellers and Rothschilds and, and Gates and Epstein's and all these guys, at their core, they're eugenicists, which means they want to thin out the herd. They want they want there's too many people taking up space on their planet and they want to get rid of them. And part of the, how they're going to do that is they're just going to make the, make human beings obsolete from a working uh, standpoint. So what have, what have we been hearing lately? What have we been hearing over the last couple of years? Universal basic income that came out of nowhere. Oh, you're going to pay me money to do to sit around and do nothing. OK, that sounds great on the surface. But why is that happening? The reason it's happening is because as the robots and the artificial intelligence uh, become more prominent and start to take over uh, jobs that people had, you're going to have a lot of people out of work. And if you have a lot of people out of work with no money, you're going to have societal unrest. So one way to kind of do that is to put everybody on the payroll, make them dependent on the government to get a, a universal basic income check. So, you know, these politicians lately with in regard to the coronavirus situation start talking about universal basic income. You go, oh, that sounds great. How nice of them and how thoughtful of them to think of us. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't fall into that trap. It's worse than a welfare check, because if you take the UBI, they've got you. And the reason why they're giving you that money, see that the, the the reason why mice get caught in the mousetrap is they don't understand why the cheese is there. And universal basic income is the cheese in the mousetrap. And people don't understand why it's free. And they're going to walk into it and they're going to figure it out as soon as they get caught in the mousetrap. So, so this is where we're headed. When it's not, it's not an accident that it's been rolled out around the same time as the coronavirus situation with Bill Gates. It's part of a much larger agenda for the robots and artificial intelligence to take over lots of the roles that people currently do. And I know that this sounds nutso. I know it sounds like a Philip K. Dick book, but unfortunately we're getting closer to these timeframes when Philip K. Dick was writing about the future and the future is starting to look pretty much like the present. You know, we're starting to see these things like you talk about predictive programming and you're going to, you're, you're at a, position where you might have a, a truck accident this week. That's crazy. Okay. But that sounds futuristic. And like you're saying, it's here now. So, so be careful. So I just think it's, it's, it's one of these things that we all have to kind of, we have to take a step back and ask ourselves, why are these things coming out right now? Why are they coming out in the order in which they're coming out? Universal basic income. Okay. It's being rolled out as a way to, you know, help people out. Well, it's coming from the government and any of us that are real honest about this know that the government is, isn't interested in helping us. They're interested in controlling us. So this, this money sounds like a bribe to me. Why is it, why are we, why are they even talking about this? Well, they're, they're talking about it because they know that it's, it's how they're going to be able to keep a keep a handle on us. They got to keep us fed. Uh, so they're willing to give us just a little bit of money every month to, to, to keep us from rising up and rioting. And what is that all about? Well, it's about the rise of computers and robots taking our jobs. And it's, we've been, we've been watching it in Terminator movies and, you know, for years and years and years. And it's always way, way out there in the future. And we never gave it much thought because it was entertaining and it wasn't going to happen to us. 
but it's happening. It's happening to us. All that stuff that they talked about in the Terminator movies are, is coming true. And I know it sounds kind of like, you know, I'm kind of laughing about it, but, but it's serious. It's serious business. And the people that are, that are running this, the people that are making the push for it are some of the worst people in the world. It's Bill Gates and his crew. It's the Epsteins and, and the Mossad and their crew. So what is happening here? It's, just, it's something for us to, to keep our eyes on moving forward. This technology, this technology component, which seems disconnected from the child trafficking that we sort of initially started this conversation about, they seem like two very separate industries that have no connection to one another, but they are becoming blended. And the... And, and you le- need look no further than the fact that why is Jeffrey Epstein financing a guy with six and a half million dollars who's creating little Sophia artificial intelligence robots for girls that are eight years old and up? He's not a toy maker. He's a child trafficker. Why is he involved in this? What is the role of artificial intelligence in this? There's something to it. They're tracking us. They want to know where everybody is. Why do they want to know where everybody is? They want to know where everybody is so they can come get you when they need to get you. Yes. So, so we're in a we're in a we're in a dark time. But I will say this, and, and and I have to say this, it's not over yet. We can still turn these things around. We can still we have to be aware of it. We have to talk about it, and they're uncomfortable conversations to be sure. But we have to talk about this because if we're because by talking about it, by bringing awareness to it, then we create a situation where we can actually do something about it. But if we're if we're unwilling or unable to ever to even have this conversation, we'll wake up one day and this technology will be implemented and we will have had no say in it. So it's important for us to uh, to talk about, it. even at the risk of sounding like an unhinged conspiracy theorist wearing a tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> which we all, you know, I like to do that from time to time myself, but this, this, this isn't, this isn't futuristic nonsense. This is, this is what's coming. This is the plan. It's been written about in all this Huxley books. It's been written about in Philip K. Dick books and, and George Orwell and all of these things. They told us, they told us this was coming and, and, you know, not because they're psychic, but because they know, because they're connected to the people that are making it happen. So, so um, it's, but it's not over yet. Like I said, we, we're, we're, the game is not, has not, is not complete. Uh, we might be in the ninth inning, but we still get on at bat and, um, and we can still turn this thing around. Yeah. That's a good way to end the interview, my friend. We're going to uh, wrap it up with, we can still turn this thing around and all, I know we have a big, portion of the listening audience that is uh QAnon followers and they're they're right now saying yes we're turning around right now so let's turn it around we can all do it whether you believe in Q or not we can all do it if we all work together and see what this for what it is and it ain't good and if we wake up to that reality together collectively we can actually maybe do something about it uh Charlie before we get out of here man what's the name of your podcast again and the new book that's coming out tell people about it yeah, the uh, podcast is Macro Aggressions, available on Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio and all those places where you get podcasts. Video version on Iconic and YouTube. And the new book, the new book is a, is a book uh, written with Jeff Berwick, who is the founder of the Dollar Vigilante and also the founder of Anarchapulco, which is the largest anarchist convention in the world. And we partnered up on this book and it should be out in a matter of weeks. It's called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. It is going to explain how the events that we're seeing currently 
have been mapped out years in advance as the way that you rig a building in a similar fashion the way you would you would take a building down in a controlled demolition by analyzing the foundation identifying the support columns rigging the detonators clearing people out sounding the alarm and then going through the rubble after the end we lay this out in comparison to what what america has become the direction america has been taken and when you understand that the plan for america is that it cannot stand because in order for there to be a new world order a one world government you cannot have a superpower left russia was taken out or the soviet union was taken out in the early 90s and the united states empire has been targeted for destruction by the globalists and jeff and i lay out a pretty convincing argument for how they did it why they did it what's coming for us but like like we just talked about with the child trafficking situation we also make sure to end it and i'm not giving away the ending but to end it with a reminder that these are the plans that are in place but it's not finished yet there's still work for them to do. And that means that there's still time for us to turn this thing around. So we want to be optimistic about it. We're running out of time. We have to take it seriously. But if, if we're going to, um, if we're not going to stand up and, and defend our ourselves and our family and our country and in the way things should be, then we will unfortunately get a dystopian future that nobody, none of us want. And so it, it pays for all of us. Like you said, QAnon followers, non-QAnon followers, whatever. Let's get over, let's go over that divide and let's just realize that, listen, we, we're people that are aware that something bad is, is coming. And, um, and we need to join up. We need to uh, wake people up to the, the unfortunate reality of the situation. I know it's not fun to have difficult conversations with people about this because they tend to, you know, look at you as the problem for being the person that's, that's uh, bringing this information to their attention. But we got to get over that. We got to get past that and say, listen, it's, it, it's important enough that I'm willing to risk you guys looking at me a little bit funny uh, because this is a conversation that needs to be had that, um, you know, things have been, things have been uh, uh, compromised in a way that um, if we don't talk out about it now, then we might get to a point where we never really can. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. And last time you were on my show, uh, you talked about, you know, Epstein and we talked about your book a little bit. And you told me that after you were on the show, a lot of people went and got your book and stuff. And I actually got a lot of emails from people saying that they loved your book. And so I think that this next one sounds like a freaking hit. And uh, I really can't wait for it to come out. When it comes out, we'll share it on our website and things like that. But definitely, man, thank you for being here. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I I got I got a lot of messages from uh, from your fans uh, and people. If people want to reach out to me, I'm I'm really accessible. My website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. You can send me messages there. I had the 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 most interaction that I've had has come from when I did confessionals in uh, December. I got so many emails. I got so many people and, and people on social media as well uh, reaching out to me. It was cool. You have a, you have a, you have a good, um, you obviously, I mean, you know this, but you have a, you have a, you have a deep fan base and people that are really starting to think about these things. And 
And that's a great place. That's that's a great place to start. You know. Yeah. You know. Uh, I think we need to come up with a n- nickname for the fan base. I know over at Tiff Oil Hat, Sam Tripoli, uh, he calls them the Swarm. We need to come up with a nickname for the fan base <laughs> here and stuff. But uh, Charlie, man, I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate you having me. Uh, take care. We we can. It's not over. We can still turn this boat around. We just gotta. We just gotta get. We gotta get serious about things pretty soon. Yeah, that was fun. Yes, thank you, Bill. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. I think this episode went great. Charlie killed it. In fact, Charlie crushed it kind of like Epstein's esophagus. No, I probably shouldn't have said that too soon. I don't care. Anyways, friends, until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,